Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Morning, everyone. Happy Mondays and welcome to the News Agenda with me, Fleet Street Fox. And today I'm joined by my fellow Mirror uh, colleague, Jason Beatty. Morning, Jason. Hi, Susie. It's actually said Kevin Maguire in my script, but uh, that's from last week. I haven't changed it. <laughs> Forgot who you were for a moment. Now, this is the People's Paper Review. So get into the comments, ask us your questions, and we will get the best ones up on screen. Those of you listening later on podcast are just going to have to open a window and swear at a neighbour. Now, <laughs> what have we got today? Well, the mirror has splashed on the fact that while the energy price cap has risen 54%, energy bills for some have gone up 100 or even 200%. Now, 80% of us pay our bills by direct debit, where you have this flat rate each month calculated by your provider. It's usually so you're in credit in the summer when you use less and not in so much debt in the winter when your bills go up. It's spread evenly throughout the year. Yet money-saving expert Martin Lewis says he's heard from customers for whom that monthly amount is going up by 300%. Jason, take us through this. What on earth is going on? Um, well, let's go back a little bit further to why Ofgem has said that energy firms could raise their bills by 54%, uh, which is a staggering amount in the first place. And let's compare it with France, where they had an energy price cap of 4%. Yeah? So for starters, Britain uh, is losing out anyway. And then you've got these energy firms. Now, look, global prices have gone up massively. It's a problem which started with COVID, which put a strain on supply and has been made much, much worse by Ukraine. So it's, it's, it is a global problem. But that doesn't excuse why they are allowing direct debit payments. And well, let's come on to prepayment later, because that's actually even worse for them. Why they are actually fleecing customers, I think is a fair way of putting it. By, by raising bills by, by, as you say, more than 100%. Now, what is the rationale behind doing this, apart from greed? I don't know. <laughs> but, They're not really able to tell us, are they, quite interestingly? No. Perhaps no. our viewers can. What's your energy bill been like? Has the Were you on a fixed rate and you're fine? Or has it been on a variable rate and therefore you're starting to pay more? How much has it gone up by? Because there's a, there's a case study in here. Um, which shows us charity worker called Sophie, whose bill went from £59 a month to 145 Now, that's an increase of 245%. She argued with her provider, Eon, and they managed to get it down to £110 a month. But that's still 186% of what it is. Three times more than it, it should have increased by, really, even if you go by the price cap, and even though the price cap's unfair in the first place. So Eon says, and their line in that article, is that it's their prices have gone up in line with the price increases. How, how, how can they say that when the, the price has gone up 54%, Jason? I mean, it's, it does look like 
pure capitalist exploitation of an opportunity, doesn't it, really, of customers? Yeah. I, and, you know, there's another story around today from the Food Foundation, which says 6.8 million people have gone hungry or skipped meals because of the cost of living crisis. Now, I do not know how families are going to cope come October when the Bank of England last week warned that the average energy bill, annual energy bill, would be £2,500. And people are struggling at the moment. Um, when it goes up like that, that's going to be, you know, that's not just going to be a few people choosing between heating and eating. It's going to be millions of people choosing between heating and eating. And what has the government done so far? Well, they've taken £150 off your council tax bill. Uh, for some of you. For some of you. And they and what they talk about is a, they say you've got a £200 reduction. I put reduction in the biggest inverted commas I possibly can because it's not. It's a loan which you're going to have to pay back at some point. So basically they've given you a grand total of £150 to try and help through uh, a cost of living crisis when people, as we see in this case study, their, their bills are going up by, you know, hundreds and hundreds of pounds. It, it's just not sustainable, this. I mean, they're going to have to come back and do something, and we're going to have to do something very, very quickly, because this is, you know, this is people's real lives, and they're going to be, you know, they are going to be struggling. They're going to be going hungry. They're not going to be able to feed their children. It's They're not going to be able to heat their homes. The, the um the number of people dying because of this will be significant. I mean, they talk about what we call excess winter deaths. That's people who die because they they basically are cold. That, that's already pretty high. It's going to get higher. Um, you know, you've seen the comments here. You've got kind of Woody saying, you know, his electricity bill's gone from £35 to £115. You know, people can't afford this. And and no. the political pressure on the government to act is, is overwhelming, and yet they seem to be doing nothing. Absolutely nothing at all. Now, as Mike said there as well, you can um, appeal from your energy company. So you don't have to put up with some of these prices on your direct debt, but you can ring your energy company and argue with them because when they put the prices up, it's a guesstimate of how much you're going to use over the whole year. And it includes winter, right, when we all use more. So you'll be paying a little bit more in the summer so that you don't have to pay quite loads extra in the winter. Um, but so what you have to do is you have to go up and, and challenge them and say, you, you need to show us, show the customer what you're basing it on, basically. And you need to say, how, how can you explain why I need to pay this much? Um, and it seems to me, actually, Jason, they're probably they're factoring in the next increase in the price cap as well. I think they're factoring in the autumn one that's predicted because that yeah. will obviously affect the winter prices. So I, I suppose perhaps from some perspective, maybe they can say that if they – if they put that cost over the the summer as well, when we're using less, that somehow, you know, it's cushioned the shock because you're paying over a longer period of time. But it doesn't quite make sense. Um, and as we've seen there from, from consumers that are coming up with comments on the screen and so on, there's lots of people being asked to pay huge amounts more. And as the case study on the page showed there, Sophie phoned up and challenged it, and she was still told she had to pay... 186% more than normal. Julie says, why are energy companies making so much money? It's not the cost of the energy they're purchasing. It's them increasing the cost. I thought companies were monitored how much they charged. How is it being allowed? Uh, it's because of um, 
Tories opened up the energy market to lots of private companies. And well, this is a really good point. I, there were two substantial failures by, by the Conservative governments in 2010. Um, the, the first, it was the failure to actually kind of diversify our energy supply. So, you know, there was they green-lighted one nuclear power station. That wasn't nearly enough when you're winding down kind of fossil fuels. Uh, and the, the greater crime, uh, and which is really significant and people haven't really done this connection, but it's, it's quite important, was they basically wound up all our gas storage. So if you can store gas uh, in, in great quantities, you can therefore mitigate the, the fluctuations of the price market, and that means you can actually keep bills lower. Uh, the, the Tories basically, uh, Michael Fallon was the first to do it in, in the kind of 19, uh, 2011. He, he, he closed down a whole lot of gas supplies, and then they did it again um, about... To, uh, three or four years ago when they finally closed down the North Sea gas, gas supplies. This is a significant impact on our bills and it was such short-sightedness and totally unnecessary and it's one of the reasons our bills are so high compared to other European countries. Exactly, it's yeah. It's <laughs> just a bit bonkers than doing nothing at all. Now, Kate Tenick yeah. says, we're not living, we're just surviving barely. Working in care, I have to struggle every day to pay £10.27 for a 12-hour night shift. To, earning £10.27 an hour for a 12-hour night shift, it's killing people off because of greed. Um, you can understand exactly why you would think that, Kate. And um, you know they, they, haven't, they haven't done what they need to do in the care sector, which is to make a national care service with decent rates of pay and career progression and everything else and proper standards. Uh, and then they're just not – they don't seem to know, I think, what it's like to live like – you are, Kate. They just don't seem to understand at all how anyone would live like that. They think you should just get out of it and be an investment banker or something, I think. Um, now, keep getting into the comments, asking us your questions. What's your price rises been like? How much has it gone up by? Are you happy with it? Do you want to do more about it? Have you argued with your supplier? Have you managed to get your price down? Let us know. Now, Edward says, does the government care about the extra winter deaths? After all, it's less pensions to pay. You cynic, Edward. Um, that can't possibly have anything to do with the care homes cull that went on over the last couple of winters. It it does seem there. I mean, that the excess winter deaths, uh, Jason, they have been going up for years. It's not just this government, is it? They've been sort of fairly excessive for a while. So what do we think throwing forward then, you know, going up, they're talking about doing something in the budget in the autumn when the price cap's going up again. But what could they what could they possibly do? They can't control these companies. They can't make well, anyone else not charge 300% more. There's quite a lot they could do. I mean, the first thing they could do is they now have a freedom now. We've left, left the EU to actually kind of cut VAT um, uh, uh, on energy bills. That, that's that's easy. And, and It would be a Brexit benefit. Um, and something actually they, they promised, know. Boris Johnson promised, as one of the reasons to vote Brexit, and yet he hasn't done that. The, the, the most effective thing they can do is, is impose a, a windfall tax on the oil and gas giants. Um, you know, Shell and BP in last week, between them, reported profits of almost £14 billion. Um, that, that's not from anything clever they've done. That's just because they're really benefiting from, from the squeeze in global prices. So it's almost money for nothing. Um, you know, putting a windfall tax on that is not going to deter investment and they can use that money to, to, to kind of help soften the impact of some of the energy bills. And that's a Labour Party policy. It's Lib Dem policy. Um, even some right wing commentators I noticed are now backing it. There's, there's actually no reason not to do it. 
um, that, that would be very effective. Um, the other thing they really should do is start investing in insulation in homes and making it affordable to insulate yeah. your home. Um, they, they, again, this is a historic failure. They've done almost nothing. We have some of the worst insulated homes in, in, in Europe. Um, and that's another reason why our energy bills are so high. You know, if you really want to help people, that's a, those three things are good places to start. Exactly. And insulation might be the cheapest way of doing it, Boris, mm. if you're watching. Now, Angela says, Bulb put up my direct debit from £93 to £221. I'm pretty sure that's a lot more than 54%. It's just pure greed. It is, in fact, Angela, as you probably know, 237%. It's four times the increase that it should be that was justified. Marie says, my electricity direct debit's gone up by £120 a month and don't get me started on gas. Um, I'm on. I'm on. I'm rural, so I'm on a tank of oil, and it's just showing that it needs filling up. So <laughs> I'm going to be paying Vladimir Putin, I think, for whatever I can find on the black market. Who knows? Oh. Um, it's going to be a bit... all these people make, posting comments, Susie. I mean, this you know, this is this is the problem. It's really hurting everybody, and and you know, but but all large price rises for, for people who aren't earning a great deal of money. I mean, you know, it's it's really tough out there. Yeah. And what about, as you said earlier on, Jason, about people on prepayments? Because these are people who have had debts on their energy bills before. They haven't been able to pay them. So they go onto a prepayment meter, which are always at higher tariffs than on direct debits, which never makes any sense to me. If someone's proven they don't have the money, don't charge them more. That's insane. But their prices are going up even more, aren't they? Yeah, I, I, it, I've never understood the logic of this, that, that if you're on a prepayment meter, it, 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 it usually means you're actually earning less than the national income and therefore your bills are higher. I mean, how that is de deemed fair or justifiable has always been beyond me. And, and, and while the direct debit is, a, is, a, is a, a clear and an obvious issue, it's actually people on prepayment meters who actually find themselves in the worst situation generally. Yeah. Uh, as Bryony says there, my electric bill is now higher than my rent. We've got no gas. Ah, Bryony, it's uh, it's a sticky wicket for everybody yeah. to be on. And it's something that unlike so many other, you know, government mm. policies, it affects people here or there. But this yeah. one, you know, like COVID and the lockdowns and stuff, it affects everybody. Yeah. No There's one another is... small point I'd, I'd like to make, Susie, because, again, it's quite important. Although it's looking nice and sunny out of my window here and it's got a little bit warmer. If you're old, you feel the cold more. And a lot of old people still have their heating on now because they, you know, they do feel the cold. And, and that costs them an awful lot of money. And, and I think it's something, again, which the government just seems oblivious to. That, that you know, they just think, oh, it's got, it's got sunny. People can cut down on the amount of fuel they use. For a lot of people, that's not the situation. No, exactly. And Tina says, my dual fuel bill went up from £80 to £130 and then to £270. I hope that you're, everyone who's given us their stories today about how much they're paying, I hope you've been on to your providers and challenged them to explain what they have based this calculation on. Tell them that you know the price cap has gone up 54% uh, and you know what your meter readings are. Um, Graham says, how are they allowed to get away with this? Because lots of people just pay it. And whoever, the people that argue it and the people that complain about it, uh, it takes a long time to get it sorted out. And they just factor that in, I think, Graham, to be honest. Um, so what you can do is you can always report them to the energy ombudsman. Now, Martin says your bill should have gone up if it's fair. Martin Lewis says it should have gone up between 45 and 65 percent, roughly. Uh, and to challenge your bill, you need to challenge your supplier. Ask them to explain how they reach their calculation. 
They must base it on your meter readings, okay? And you can, of course, provide your own to help bring it down. So even if you pay the higher rate for a month or something, the next month when you take meter readings, you can bring it down every time you, you put in new meter readings. But if you've moved into a property recently, and I had this when I moved house, they will challenge you right back because, won't they, Jason? They, they will say that they will base your calculations on that property, not you, and they therefore you're paying for the usage of the people who used to be there. All right. If there was a family of six and there's just two of you now, you're paying the family of six usage until you can prove that you bring your bill down a bit. And if you report them to the energy ombudsman, which you can do if they don't bring it down enough, that takes months to wait for a decision. It, it's still not a solution because all they really do, I think the ombudsman, Jason, is say, well, please don't do that. And it's kind of up to the company if they decide they want to. But you can be a... You can be a spanner in their works and you can have a good old moan. So please feel free that you should. Uh, and I think that's what Martin Lewis is telling everybody to do. Now, keep asking us your questions. Let us know what you think about the energy price cap. Are you OK? Are you on a fixed rate? How are you feeling about winter and how it's how it's coming up and what your energy prices are going to be like there? Are you an older person who, as Jason says, or perhaps or have you got some health problems that means you've got to have a bit more temperature in your home and you've got some some big worries about what's happening coming up have you got a big plan big idea for the tories about how they could help everybody let us know get into the comments but now to another story there are other things that are also a little bit overcooked if you ask me and this is possibly i think no matter what side of this you're on this is definitely i think the smallest and mildest political scandal in history right because it's about about beer one beer it's about beer gate. Now, Keir Starmer's single beer with a curry has turned into 12 days of front pages in the Daily Whale. Uh, Durham police are having another look at their decision not to investigate him. And today, the Labour leader has cancelled a public appearance where he would have faced questions from journalists. Now, Jason, whenever the rights and wrongs of this, and I'm sure people will be in our comments right now telling us what's right and wrong about this. Why is Labour acting so utterly petrified. Why are they running away from it? Because it, it just adds to the sense that they're hiding something, doesn't it? They're handling it so badly. Yeah, I, I mean, they, they haven't helped themselves at all with the response to this. You know, the 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 the, the white wing press were were itching for a, a story for which they could go after Starmer. Um, they, you know, that they. They could see that that the fact that he was drawing this clear dividing line between his probity and and honesty with the behaviour of the prime minister was was proving more and more effective. Interesting, it was the same sort of dividing line Biden drew in the United States when he went up against Trump. And, and Labour, they 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 were first they were wrong to give out misinformation to some very straight questions. Like, they, you know, they didn't admit that Angela Rayner was at this gathering at first when, when she was. That was What difference maybe, does that make? I mean, the maybe, fact that... Well, maybe it was a, a minor, nice, was a minor does... cock-up, but it, it, it fed the beast. Yeah. yeah? yeah. And, and then it, it doesn't look good pulling out of a speech today. I mean, you know, if you are, as they keep insisting, that no rules were broken, um, then, then, you know, you, you should be able to come out and say, look, I'm I'm here to face all the questions. I've got nothing to hide, and and you know that that sort of the, the, the kind of the handling of it is is not being helpful. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, and you know we're now in a situation where we just have to wait and see what Durham Police decide. 
Um, I mean, if I was the Tories, I, I would be a little bit careful what I wish for here. I, I mean, firstly, the, the whole defence of Boris Johnson was to tell everybody to put it into perspective. Um, oh, and we shouldn't investigate things that are more than a year old. The Justice yeah. Secretary told us that. Yep, and 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 you know the the, the, the accusations against Johnson well actually there weren't accusations. He was found to have broken the law. Were were quotes Jacob Rees-Mogg just a little bit of fluff. Now that argument has collapsed in the face of the fact that they're going so relentlessly after Starmer. Um, so, but, but, you know, they, they kind of, there's a bit of kind of double standards there as well. The, the other thing they should be really careful of is, I mean, if, and it's a huge if, that Durham police do decide that Starmer has broken the law, he will resign. And if he resigns, then the first question is like, well, if he resigns over this, why hasn't Boris Johnson resigned? Um, and it, very difficult for the Tories to try and defend that position. You can't call for him to go and then say the other person can stay. Um, so it, it's kind of it could prove in the long run much more difficult for the Tories than, it, uh, than they, they perhaps have realised. In fact, some of them have, it's begin to dawn on them that actually by being so gung ho in demanding Starmer's head, that, that it's actually kind of it, it, it is proving counterproductive. Yeah, because then, yeah, if they're so keen for Starmer to go over one beer, then yeah. the chap who presided over a party which was involved in 22 alleged illegal gatherings, 12 yeah. police investigations, six parties the leader himself was present at, and events that involved karaoke, a suitcase full of beer, um, and a playground swing being broken by Downing Street staffers who ended up face down in the flower bed. You would have to say if there's equivalence, if there's equivalence yeah. with a beer, then there's equivalence with a resignation. And as Martin says, Keir should, if fined, do what Johnson hasn't, which is resign. It will put pressure on Johnson. Doesn't it also mean, though, that Angela Rayner then runs the Labour Party? Or do we have a new election for a leader if that happens? Well, I mean, the problem is if Angela Rayner was at this gathering as well, there's a... There's, there's, <sighs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, that, I, I, I mean, that is, yeah, I mean, if you do want to kind of go down that path, I mean, you know, you've been start playing who's the next Labour leader. I mean, I think Lisa Nandy is a very strong contender. I think Wes Streeting is another strong I think Andy Burnham has been very quiet about this. Um, yeah, I mean, Andy Burnham has a slight problem. He hasn't actually got a seat. Um, but I'm sure they could find one somewhere. Mm. Um, but so, I mean, and that is the other thing is, you, you, you know, but you may end up, I mean, I'm saying May because there's there's an awful lot of hurdles to cross before you get to this situation, and and it's you know there's, there's absolutely no certainty that that you know Durham police will issue a fine at all. But if you do find that Starmer resigns, you know they they may find themselves electing a leader like Wes or, or Lisa who are um, who is more charismatic and can can connect with those kind of voters which Labour's struggle to reach. Yeah, um, then the, the local elections do show there's still some work to be done there. So yeah, um, it doesn't necessarily make things any easier. And Mike there just said, you know, if 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 Keir resigns, I can't quite remember, but couldn't comment back up. There we go. Mike says, does anyone think if Keir Starmer's find and resigns that Johnson would do the same? His followers are more than capable of saying Starmer should go while Johnson should stay. Is part of, we've got to move on to some other news in a minute, but is part of the fact that Starmer isn't fronting up about this is part of that because Johnson did front up and said no rules are broken, everything is fine, and Starmer literally doesn't want to say the same thing that Johnson did because I, I, he just I, sounds I, like I, him then, doesn't he? The most um, 
an implausible rationale is he's a lawyer and he'll be very careful of saying anything which he thinks could be kind of legally difficult mm. <laughs> or questionable. And, mm. you know, he just, that's how he operates. He thinks like a lawyer and, and, you know, he just, he would just go, look, don't say anything because that's the most kind of sensible thing to do. If yeah. You're... Wait until you're asked a question that you can't avoid and then just answer the question. Don't give any extra information. Yeah. Well, we'll have to see, won't we? Um, it'll be interesting though to see if Durham police actually do want to, uh, reinvestigate this because of course they um they refused to reinvestigate um dominic cummings uh trip to barnard castle because it was more than a year ago and they don't go and do things retrospectively so <laughs> if they if they open care they've got to reopen dominic as well i would have thought but we'll have yeah. to wait and see won't we now, um, thank you, everybody. Get into the questions. Ask us what you think. Tell us what you think. Should Starmer resign? Should Johnson resign? Should they all resign? Should they all just carry on with work? Is a beer equivalent to all those parties and allegations about Boris Johnson? Or is this uh, more serious if it's the prime minister? Is it more serious if it's the leader? Who should be running the Labour Party? Get into the comments. Let us know. But first, there is some good news in the world. and We've found it for you. Here it is. Now, some people, when they win the lottery, they splurge on cars, holidays, even houses, Jason, I've heard tell. Uh, mm -hmm. But not Jeff and Davina Pritchard, uh, who did something a little bit more life-affirming and lovely. Now, the couple from Carmarthenshire paid for gastric sleeve surgery for their daughter, Claire, who was struggling to conceive because she was 20 stone. And she's dropped half her weight and is now mum to two healthy little children. There they are, Lily and Emrys. They're there with their gran and their mum. So... There's nothing except to say grands here. Grands. They just, oh, grands are amazing. Um, but Jason, do you think it's proof really that it, it doesn't matter if you have a lot of money? It's what you do with it that counts. Note to Eon if you're watching. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they say money can't buy happiness, but here it can. It's lovely. Yeah, and, they buy, buy cuddles and, with grandchildren, which is... I know, it's such a great photo. Yeah, it's... Like, yeah. It's really lovely. And the way Claire let her mum know was she put the baby scan in the Mother's Day card, gave her a happy Mother's Day card, and then she opened the card and <gasps> what yeah. a wonderful moment. Yeah. But that other story last week wasn't of the woman who won the lottery who's given kind of most of it away to nice good causes. As yes, because she said she was addicted to giving money away. She yeah. found it was like a drug and she couldn't stop doing it. They had 110 million and she'd spent I think about 11 million, which was what they were, yeah. they were supposed to be doing, giving away over a decade, and she'd done it in about five months. Yeah, and I like the guy from the House Martins, Paul Heaton, who's in the paper today, who's put £1,000 behind 60 pubs across England. I think that's a lovely thing to do as well, to celebrate yes. his 60th birthday. Yeah, yeah. and he, he rang up all these pubs and said, you can all have £1,000 on the tab, let anybody drink. Uh, and the landlord just didn't believe it. I thought it was a joke, thought it was fraud yeah. or something. And it was only when Paul yeah. Heaton's manager rang him up and said, no, definitely, Paul Heaton of the House Martins is paying for everyone to have a tab. So if you're in one of these lucky six pubs nearby, they're in the paper today. If you're buying one of these lucky six pubs, the bill, uh, the, the bar opens at noon and the tab runs until it's been drunk dry. 
So there's a thousand pounds behind the bar in those six pubs to celebrate Paul Heaton's 60th birthday. So get down there and raise a glass to him if I were you. And to Jeff and Davina Pritchard and their new grandchildren, which is rather marvellous, I think. Mm -hmm. Now, thank you, everyone, for taking part. Thank you, Jason, for joining me. Thank you, too, to Alia and Charlotte, who are some new production team we've got behind the scenes today, who've been absolutely seamless. Thank you very much, you two. Uh, And if you're listening later on podcast, please leave us a review because it helps other people find us and understand what's going on in the news agenda. So we'll see you all again on Wednesday for another edition. Bye bye. Mm